What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, we stumble upon the worst scene of the entire season. Sila opens up a little bit of a plot wormhole for us, and we proclaim, thank God that's over. Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking Season 5, Episode 8, entitled Unification 2. This episode was written by Rick Berman and directed by Cliff Bull. On Romulus, Picard and Data meet with Spock, who claims to be trying to reunite the Romulans and the Vulcans. While Spock works to achieve the goals, powers within the Romulan government seek to sully his mission into an invasion of the Federation. Oh, dang. Um, quick little tidbit I didn't pick up on last week. The episodes are not called like Unification Part 1 or Part 2. They're just called like Unification 1 and 2. And I went back and Redemption 1 and 2 was the same thing. So the part one, part two, I think that's just part, it's like a Mandela effect. We all kind of just remember it being mm-hmm. like that, but um, I'm just going to go ahead and call it part two because saying unification two just seems weird to me. Anyway, what are your initial thoughts on this episode? My initial thoughts were, honestly, I just kind of want to get this one over with. Oh, what about same. you? Same, mm-hmm. same. I'll skip ahead to my final thoughts, which were glad that's over. <laughs> Those were my okay. final thoughts. I'll, I'll was, skip ahead to like... my final thoughts. My final thoughts were, <laughs> this was a very interesting idea, but this was not a very interesting episode. Like no. the whole idea of Romulans and Vulcans having peace and reuniting. I was kind of like, oh yeah, they are related somehow, I guess. You know, I, it was a very interesting idea, but the episode itself could not be any less exciting. No. Like even when they broke no. for commercial breaks or when they broke for the theme music, it was just kind of like for the credits, you're just kind of like, okay. There, yes, there's they, no they bum, try bum, to bum. end. They try to end on a bum, bum, bum to cut to commercials so that you want to come back. And none of this, it just sort of like went to black and then came back from black. And you're like, okay. And you're like, <laughs> I guess well, we're back. I would not remember what was going on if commercials happened. I would you know, not. <laughs> you know what? Remember being a kid and watching things on TV and commercials would go on. And if it was a really good show that everybody really wanted to like know what happened, everybody knew you had like two minutes to sprint to the bathroom, mm-hmm. make popcorn, let the dog out, bring the snack, dog back get in, some water. Mm-hmm. get some water. Yeah. And then jump and usually do some sort of ridiculous, like gymnastic vault over the back of the sofa <laughs> to make it back on time. Right. And you hear somebody going, it's back on like that. You always have to have a spotter. Right. right. Like there was right. always somebody who would stay mm-hmm. back and tell you when it was yeah. back from commercial. And they would take the bathroom break next time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. I imagine in this household, this thing breaks for commercial. Everybody's like, oh yeah, I guess I could like go grab a snack or whatever. The show will be back from commercial five minutes later. People will be like, oh, is it back? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I guess it's been on for a few minutes. Like that's what I imagined in 1991 mm-hmm. families mm-hmm. with this episode. It was just so like mm. kind of lackluster. Like it wasn't Mm. bad. And I will say that it wasn't bad, which I, I almost kind of wish it was, which is surprising to hear me say that, (laughs) but I almost wish it was a bad episode because it would give us something to talk about where we could be like, like, that was so stupid. That was so dumb. And I can't really say that for this episode. I can, I can the whole like wannabe tattooing bar scene with the like four hand uh, scene piano. was super painful. Oh my God. It was so fucking stupid. All right. Let's oh get into it. God. Let's get into it. So we can talk about how much we hate that scene. Um, at least and then it, we could be done and then we could be done. <laughs> so, so, okay. We have, we had two storylines when we finished last week and I didn't yes. know they were going to keep going with the second storyline. So I was like, Oh, okay. There's more to that. All right. 
<laughs> so I was like, but I don't, I didn't care last week. I don't and really when care they merge together, you're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> so, but then at the very, very end, you're like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Um, so, but, but I feel like that whole subplot could have been a, a subspace communication where it's like, Hey, enterprise, we've been monitoring this weird disappearance of Vulcan ships. And it turns out that blah, blah, blah. So can you just go check it out? Like, we don't need this whole fucking, you know, Dixon Hill in space Mm -hmm. situation It's so dumb. So here's what happened at the end of last week. We had two plot lines. Plot line a was Spock was supposedly defecting to Romulus And so Picard and Data put on a bunch of makeup to look like Romulans, which was amazing. They looked so good. And they went down onto the planet to talk to Pardek, which is one of the, I think he's a senator. And um, he's friends with Spock. And they were trying to find Spock. And at the very, very end, last second of the episode, it was like, you have found me, Picard. And they find Spock. So now they can get their questions answered this episode. Is he really defecting? Is he not? We all know the answer to that is no, because it's freaking Spock. But the B plot was there was some junkyard being ran by the Zakdorn. And stuff has been going missing. And it turns out this Vulcan ship had gone missing. The Enterprise finds this the thief, the thieving vessel, which has armaments similar to the enterprise. And then they get in the space battle and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Because their weapons are kind of comparable, but they fire a warning shot at the alien vessel and it explodes because it's full of explosives. Mm-hmm. So they didn't get any answers. So to me, I thought, okay, that, that storyline's done. The enterprise is going to now go to the neutral zone where Picard is and like pick him up on their way back or whatever. But no, it keeps going. So this episode opens with, um, it actually opens with some stuff on Romulus. But as far as this, this B plot, um, Riker's like, the, the trail led us to this woman who used to be the smuggler's wife. What trail and how? But whatever, who cares? We don't even care. So they end up at some stupid bar that's like the bar on Tatooine with this lady with four hands who's playing the piano and she's flirting with Riker and all the point and of that her is, alien makeup is so awful and awkward. I will say she's probably she's probably my favorite character in the episode as far as personality wise. She's yes. got a huge personality. I was like, who is yeah. this woman? And why is yeah. she on the show more? Because yeah, she why was don't like, we have a spin-off of her? Yeah. yeah. Or just yeah, or just bring her back like they did with other, like with Kalar, the actress who played Kalar and how she came back on the show like five times as different aliens. Yes. Like bring yeah. her back as not this, because this is dumb. But bring her back as something because she was amazing. But I was yeah, like, I'm she not was. sure. She really, she really like took the scene and made it hers. It was her it really scene. was. The other yeah. people were just like co-stars. But it was yeah. her. Like she had including so Riker. Including Riker, which is hard to put him on the sideline. Yeah. But um, she was amazing. But yeah, didn't super love her alien makeup and the forearms and the piano playing. And at one point, Worf has her singing Klingon opera. And I was like, oh, my God. At that okay. point, I was like, where is the 2X button for this episode? See, I totally agree with you. And I was lamenting the fact that Star Trek TNG is no longer on Netflix where you can do the 2X button or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I just I can't. I can't deal with this. I wrote, um, I wrote, uh, dear God, what in the ever loving shit is happening? Klingon <laughs> opera, Worf singing, dear God, make this end, please make this end. And I wrote that in all caps on my notes. Yeah. <laughs> what in the ever loving shit is going on here? And Worf was like, da, 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 da. 
all proud and stuff. And I was like, no, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. hard pass, hard pass, hard it, pass. It was painful. All of it was painful. Oh. But the whole point of her and Every the bar, bit of it. the whole point, and I'm just going to like wrap up plot B because it's could be wrapped up in a scene. So stupid. So the whole point was that she pointed them to some quote unquote fat Ferengi. Yeah. And this fat Ferengi was the one who like sold the ships or something. So he's, he's got the goods. So eventually he rolls in. He's just being dumb and boisterous and Riker basically threatens to beat him up or whatever. If he doesn't, if he doesn't cough up the information. Yeah. And I was so, like, that doesn't seem very Starfleet of you, buddy. Just it roughing dudes up. It That's doesn't, right? not Starfleet at all. Okay. But all right. Yeah. But it wasn't, sure. It was suddenly like, it's a, suddenly it's a space Western again. Okay. Yeah, he tosses the food, Riker tosses the food on his lap, picks him up, grabs him by the scruff of his collar, and is like, you better start talking or I'll be very unhappy. Or else? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, that. are you going to pound his face? Really? I don't think so. <sighs> you're pretty safe, Mr. Fat Ferengi. But anyways, which who, yeah. <sighs> and why, why a Fat Ferengi? Like, even that was just dumb. Like, I don't get it. And it was dumb. It was like they tried to do every stupid trope out of, like, old Westerns. Like mm-hmm. a loud, boisterous guy with some arm candy, eating some fish, huffing and puffing about how great he is, a jazz pianist who will like give info for tips. I was like, oh God. <laughs> or or not this even is, for tips, yeah. right? Just just sit and play with me and I'll just tell you a fucking jazz lesson. You know, and I'll yeah. give you all the information. <sighs> it was weird. It was so season one, Sharice. I was like, and here I thought we had gotten past all of this this is the worst scene <laughs> in star trek season five so far i would agree i mean yeah we're, we're in episode eight now yeah i would agree this this scene mm. was these scenes the tatooine bar scenes were just like what the f is going on all this mm-hmm. yeah this could have been a phone call this could have been an email um but this whatever could have been an email so anyways the ferengi tells them like oh we we sold the ships to some other place and this other place is near the neutral zone and they're like aha this maybe what we're doing somehow coincides with what the captain's doing so they go to this place i forget if it's a planet or a system or what the f but it's something mm-hmm. near the neutral zone and they discover that the ship has probably been sold to romulus and now they're like hmm, something's really fishy what do what do the romulans want with Vul- with a vulcan ship and so that's mm-hmm. kind of the end of their storyline we find out it wasn't one but three Vulcan ships that they've kind of surreptitiously yes. purchased over time. And then that's where the, the A plot kind of comes back in, which was the yes. interesting point, but that's at the end. Okay. So rewinding back to the A plot. Yep. Yep. Spock. At least, at least that's over. So at that's least good. that's over. Yes. No more tattooing bars. Well, you know what? I will tell you at one point, Troy is talking. <laughs> Troy is talking with um, Riker. And she's like, I'm afraid I don't see how stolen Vulcan ships fits into all this. And I went, girl, neither do we. Neither do we. It's now, you know, 36 minutes into this 45 minute episode. We still don't nor know mm-hmm. nor care mm-hmm. why and how these Vulcan ships fit in. But OK. All right. So we figured it out. Romulus is stealing Vulcan ships. Got it. All right. Take us to plot A, please. <laughs> Set heading for A plot. Warp nine. Engage. (laughs) 9.5. So a plot rewinding back. Picard and Spock are meeting in the cave. They kind of walk off by themselves to chat. And um, we don't really care what they have to say. Well, I guess we do. (laughs) We all know why he's there. (sighs) He's there. Sarah told us the whole thing. 
this dude Pardek is talking about reunifying yes. Vulcan and Romulus. <laughs> and like, I think Spock probably went there for that idealistic senator. And yes. Picard was like, I don't know about that. And we're like, but we all do. But we all know that's exactly why. Why else would he be there? <laughs> He's not there for the soup. Okay. Like, nope. Nobody is here for the soup. Not a single person can Vulcan stomach soup. that soup, that, that Romulan soup. Um, so <laughs> basically you're right. Sarah already told us last episode why he was here. So Spock just tells us again, this episode, why he's here, which is exactly what Andrea just said, the end. And then Spock's like, leave. This is a very dangerous mission. And I don't want anyone else's lives being put at risk. And Picard's mm-hmm. like, that's not good enough, sir. Like I represent the Federation. This involves us. I can't leave. So yes, he actually tells Spock. He said, Spock says, you cannot remain here, Captain Picard. And Picard says this kind of cowboy diplomacy won't be tolerated anymore in Starfleet. And I looked it up and I didn't realize that was actually a saying. Cowboy diplomacy is a term used to describe like the resolution of some sort of conflict through brash risk-taking, intimidation, military deployment, or a combination of those tactics. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's criticized as stemming from this like overly simple worldview where you can just sort of cowboy your way in through and, and shoot mm-hmm. your way out and everything will be fine. And it's actually reads very much to me, like something captain Kirk was all about and Riker too. Just yeah. Cowboy diplomacy their way through shit. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was a really ironic line because Spock was the one always saying stuff like that to Kirk. Like you're, you're too emotional. You're too irrational. You're flying mm-hmm. off the handle. You never plan anything. Mm-hmm. And now Picard is, is accusing him of the same fault. And I thought that was really ironic and yeah, really funny and cute. So good. Well, he, well, he has to now, he also has to be the bearer of bad news. And it was kind of the most perfect delivery of bad news where he said, you know, I have something along the lines of like, I have an unfortunate task to like be the bearer of some bad news. And he doesn't in the end actually have to bear the news because Spock already knows he's like, Sarek, Sarek is dead. and. Picard didn't even say anything. And that's how, you know, he's Mm -hmm. dead. But what actually kind of blew my mind is like, yes, I know that like, this is a father son relationship. That's been very tumultuous, Mm -hmm. but he'd never, he didn't really say like, my father is dead or my dad is dead. He said, Sarek is dead. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh, that just sounded odd to me, but whatever. I mean, they had like a very, you know, strange relationship. relationship. Yeah. Very strange relationship. Exactly. Yeah. The Romulans have an underground, a Romulan underground, and this which is under- actually underground, which is physically under the ground <laughs> in caves. Because so, why so not? Obvious. Yep. <laughs> you can't meet in someone's house. Like, what's wrong with a house? But well, all right, I feel we like it's in the a whole fucking cave. It's the whole secret police thing, right? You can't meet in someone's house because you can't be gathered. Like, all you don't want anyone to see you or know. Yeah, it's a very yeah. scary situation, actually, where the community is so volatile that the underground rebels whole goal is peace that tells Mm -hmm. you the state of their culture that the underground movement is for peace not for Mm -hmm. violence not for but they just want change through peace so they want to embrace vulcan morals they want to embrace peace and so spock is super excited about this and he's like yes you know i'm going to meet with the with the young new pro-council and i think he'll be amenable to kind of moving towards peace eventually and reunification eventually i know it's going to take decades probably lifetimes to happen but we can kind of get the ball started here and Picard's just like "Mm, that doesn't really sound like that's going to happen and Spock's like well you just have a closed mind that's all so I guess I do because this doesn't seem like a good idea buddy just gonna tell you doesn't seem very likely 
because the Romulans have been pretty anti everybody. So I don't see how suddenly they're going to be like, let's all join together, brothers, especially where the Vulcans don't offer anything to the Romulans. Romulans are very strategic. And Mm -hmm. if they have something to gain, then they'll go ahead with a plan if they can get something out of it. But what would they get out of sharing their technology and whatnot? Mm -hmm. Great. They don't care about that. That, Mm -hmm. That's like asking the Klingons for peace. Come on now. (laughs) Come on now, people. Come on now, Spock. You're not being logical. I'm going to tell you right now. Mm -hmm. He might have a touch of whatever killed Sarek because this shit is not logical. (laughs) But all right. (laughs) Not to be overly glib about it, but... You want but to go some, ahead and something here is not making without a tricorder and scan this man. All right. <laughs> and Picard does mention that multiple times. Like you're not being logical. This doesn't, this doesn't sound legitimate. And mm-hmm. Spock is just like holding out hope. So he does end up meeting with this young pro council and the pro council to me seems smarmy AF. He's just all gritty and smiley and oh yes, yes, yes. Oh yes. I do want peace mm-hmm. reunification. Mm-hmm. Let's do that tomorrow. And yes. Spock is like, I'm taken aback by how quickly and thoroughly you are agreeing with these plans. And he's just like, well, I'm just, I'm just down for peace. And that's what I'm about. So, yes. you know, and we'll he's see very, you next week he, or whatever. He plays a politician. This actor, I don't know who played Neral, but he is the perfect politician. Very amenable, mm-hmm. very gregarious, chit chatty and friendly and mm-hmm. open. And like his smile is a little too big, mm-hmm. a little too much. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like when you see politicians kissing all these babies and I'm like, it's just too much, man. It's way too much. But it's enough that Spock is like, OK, <laughs> who well, does that? I Let's guess just pause for a minute on that. Who the <laughs> F is letting random politicians kiss their babies? Part one. Part two. Yes. Who's going around kissing a bunch of random babies like. Who does Don't that? you know that they're fucking germ factories? Stop kissing all these babies. Why are you kissing yeah. babies in the first place? It's weird. You're this right. This whole scenario, it's like well, it's like people sitting on Santa's lap. It's another thing where I'm like, this this should not be a thing. Why do we do this in our cult? We should not do this. <laughs> like, yeah. So whatever. This is another <laughs> another weird thing that people do. They don't do this on the on Romulus though. Yeah, I do not understand that at all. Like. I feel like when people are around politicians, like especially like big politicians or like running for president or whatever, it must be this like intoxicating kind of feel because mm. the way that I see people behave, like I've never been to like a big political rally or whatever, but when you see video footage of these people, it's like they're around the freaking Pope mm. and I don't even trust the Pope. So if I don't want the Pope kissing my baby, I especially don't want you guys kissing my baby. Maybe it's I'm like not- being at a concert Ugh. or like being at Comic-Con, just being so starstruck that you do things that you would not normally do in your yes. everyday life. Maybe that's yes. what it is. Yeah. We're going to, well, we're going to, yeah, we're going to chalk that up to just like crowd. I'm, I have a strict mesmerism. no baby kissing policy. Yeah. When it comes to me or any babies. Yeah. No, just, you know what? <laughs> hard pass. Anyway, he does seem like that politician who would be kissing babies. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, but Spock is like, okay, well, Hey, all right, cool. This is going to be easier than I thought. Maybe like Mm -hmm. that's kind of nice. And as he leaves the door opens and we're back. It's Sila (laughs) again. She's back. And I was like, girl, I thought they dropped you off at whatever. Oh, she had made the quick escape after data, like exposed the ship, Mm -hmm. but she had been listening to the whole thing. And clearly Neral is in cahoots with Sila. And she likes listening to people's conversations. There's definitely a theme here. She's all about like, (laughs) listening to the Dura sisters, trying to Mm -hmm. like seduce Worf, this guy talking to Spock. She's yeah. (laughs) So she, she comes really out of the closet, that nosy neighbor, or wherever she was. 
in my mind, it's some Romulan closet, but it was probably another room. I feel like it was a hallway because like Spock went out that same door that she came in. So no, she was, she, I don't think so. I think Spock went out the door on the left. She came out of a door behind his oh, desk. Oh, okay. So it was like a, it could have been another hallway, but it's the listening it like a, closet, like a it's closet, closet yeah. of nefarious deeds. All right. That's right. That's right. Cool. <laughs> so she comes out and they just kind of smile at each other and you're like, oh man, he is not to be trusted. What a shocker. Yeah. Can't politician trust- is not to be trusted. You yeah. Can't, you can't trust the Romulan government. So surprising. <laughs> like. It's like, oh, Spock's not a traitor. So surprising. Yes, exactly. That's what happens. And then he comes back. Spock comes back to tell all the rebels. Good news. The pro-council is like all for peace and reunification. We're going to get this, get this party started today. Mm -hmm. And Picard is like, "Eh, wait a minute, flag on the play. Uh, That's false. There's no way he's going for it this quickly. And they're like, well, but, 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 and everybody in the crowd is so hopeful. Like, yeah, this is going to happen. Finally, all our dreams will be revealed, all this stuff. And Picard's like, listen, he didn't get to where he is by not pleasing all the traditionalists. He had yes. to have their support. He has to share their values publicly. So if he's going to do anything with this resistance, it has to be really subtle, really like on the side. It can't be a big public thing like he's promising. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And all the people are like, maybe the Federation just doesn't really want peace. And I was just like, oh, this, yeah. this, all this, this just irritates me. Yeah. This irritates yeah. me. Yeah. Use your logic, people. Come on. Yeah. Y'all well, know your government better than we do. Yeah. You know they're shady and not to be trusted. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love that Picard was the one who was like bringing the logic to the table. I think also it kind of, to me, feels like a metaphor for like, you know, you could be a very logical person, look at Spog, but when it's something that touches near and dear to your heart, logic doesn't Goes always apply. The window. Mm-hmm. Or you kind of like actively avoid using your logic mm-hmm. so that you can continue to pursue this thing that's like near and dear to your heart. Like I've seen people do the most illogical shit ever and they have the most crazy like justifications for what they do. And you're like, okay, so you are just on this like weird mission to do this other thing that like makes no sense because you are just choosing like not to look at things logically or like you're choosing to ignore that. And I think that's very much Spock. Like he's on this like crazy mission that like, yeah, there's some support for it, but like you're, you're literally meeting with a politician who has pleased all the traditionalists Mm -hmm. and he's saying he's going to accept this like extremely radical plan that's out of like the far left. And he says it's okay. And you're like, cool. He says he's on board. Let's order the pizzas and get everybody together. It's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But as soon as you get the yes, like I want a puppy, mommy can have a puppy. Finally. Yes. You're like, never mind the fact that you're at school all day. Never mind the fact that mom's in school all day, that you guys can't afford the food that like vet bills are too bad. All this stuff. It's like, no, we're just getting a puppy. It's going to be fine. You start developing <laughs> this, like, it's going to be fine mentality where it's like, mm, or is, is it? it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turns and out, spoiler that alert, never it's, goes well. It's not. It's not. It's not going to go so good. So, well, at one point, Data is up, you know, on the Klingon ship, and he's able to sort of piggyback on some Romulan signal to like break into their main computer. And they've discovered in their work, there's a secret transmission um, with a code containing the numbers 1400. And Spock immediately is able to like put together that like, Neral has deceived him as the Romulans were set to make the announcement about the unification at 1400 hours tomorrow. So one, four, zero, zero. But as they're kind of talking about this, Sila comes in with her like henchmen at gunpoint and mm-hmm. holds Spock 
par deck, card, you know, and, and like a few other people to be there. Yeah. At gunpoint. And Spock is like, oh shit. Suddenly he's taken his logic medicine because suddenly it kicks in and he's like, oh my gosh, the only person it could have been is Pardak. And Pardak's like, no, we've known each other for 80 years. It can't be. But he's like, no, no. Spock is like, Pardak, you're the only person who knew when we were all going to meet. You were you were the only person who knew like when this hack was supposed to happen. You were the only person who knew the 1400 hours thing. And you were the me. one who invited Spock to come here in the first place. Yeah. It was Pardak's urgent call while he was at Sarek's bedside that was like, hurry, come to Romulus. There's this chance for peace. You have to come immediately. Yes. So this even the whole thing was set up by him in the first place. Which I think this this double cross doesn't make any sense to me because Pardek has been like long preaching about unification being the thing that's needed to like heal these two worlds and all that. And suddenly he hands them over to Sila, who's got these other nefarious plans. It just doesn't logically he's able Spock is able to surmise like you are the person who betrayed us. But why doesn't ever get explained? There's no backstory as to why. Sila just says, you know, Pardak, thank you for your service to the Romulan Empire. You will be like rewarded or whatever the hell. And and Pardak's like, huh. And like kind of walks off like behind Sila. And it's like, what the F just happened? We get this double cross for literally no reason. Mm-hmm. It could have just been Neral who sold them out in the first place. Like, why why did Pardak? Why did it have, have to be Pardak? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Like it does not line up with his character yeah, at all. It doesn't track. And I have, I didn't think about that, but I had two issues with this scene. Um, the first issue was why did Picard and Data take off their costumes? Like what their yeah. disguises? Because they're walking around Romulus with their freaking bright red and bright yellow uniforms yes. on. Like and I command get uniforms. Cave, but yeah, I was like, maybe they beam directly into the cave. I don't know. I just felt like I thought of that too makes sense. And I don't know why, as soon as data got to the Klingon ship, he was like, boop, boop, back in his uniform. <laughs> he was like, I'm done with that. And when Picard yeah. got to the Klingon ship, he was like, I'm going to go change. Why? You're still, you still need to be in disguise. You're still undercover. You're still going back down to the planet. So what so, do you maybe do? Okay. That didn't make All sense right, to okay. me unless it was from like a makeuping costuming perspective. Like it's obviously easier for them to just be, well, not for data because data's covered head to toe in makeup anyway. So it's irrelevant for head him. to toe. Yeah. But like, maybe it was easier for Picard. I don't know. So that part bothered me because that didn't make any sense. And then the second thing that bothered me was like, wait a minute, if Pardek was the double crosser, now every single person in the underground their identity is known. So yeah, that's true. Like you're all screwed. You're all, all of you guys. And they just yeah. keep on meeting. Like nothing ever happened in the same cave with the same people. And I was just like, mm-hmm. but Pardek was the traitor. He knows everyone here. He was like the leader of this little band. So that to me was also bothersome. That yeah. That wasn't, like, this doesn't make any sense. Okay. But whatever. All right. But we finally, okay. So we finally get to kind of the root of this whole thing. Thank you, Sila, for explaining it to us. She <laughs> lays out the whole plan. The Vulcans are going to, you know, hear a message from Spock to be ready to welcome their Romulan cousins to reunify the system. But it's not going to be the reunification that Spock was hoping for. The Romulans will then open fire and attack Vulcan and conquer the whole planet. Right. And um, Spock is like, well, logically, I'm going to say suddenly his logic is fucking working after all this time. It's kicked in (laughs) all of a sudden Spock is like, well, the likelihood that you're going to kill me after I relay this message is very high. So I'm not going to participate. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Um, Because she's like, if you don't relay this message, I'm going to kill everyone. He's like, well, you're going to kill us anyway. So Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it. So she's like, damn it. 
And she's like, well, luckily I have a plan B because Sila's smart about stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've got this holographic Spock that will instead deliver the message. It won't be interactive, but um, fine. And I thought Romulan technology is extremely comparable, if not better than the Federation's. I'm going to say can make clearly better because we don't yeah, do and- that. No, we, I'm not in the Federation. Well, you but. can go, but you can go, you can go to the holodeck and have a fully interactive character. Why is their holographic technology so far behind the Federation's where it's like, you're just making a Spock that's going to deliver like a, a four sentence speech. Mm. Like that's kind of weird. Cause I feel like you can make a holographic Spock that does like runs and jumps that's and punches. And, that's a good, yeah. I thought it was Look really at, cool that she had a hologram just pop up in her office because we find out, um, I, I don't remember how they, we we had this conversation way back in season one that the holo the holodeck technology is not totally fleshed out in TNG. Yeah, the holo projectors are not. Yeah, and that how that works on. out is not quite make doesn't totally make sense. Um, as they're kind of figuring it out. But by the time we get to Voyager, they're very big on the holo projectors are only here and here and here, and that's the only place mm-hmm. where holograms can be, and they can't be outside mm-hmm. of this and all that stuff. So I thought it was kind of cool that she could have a hologram right in her office um without that having cool. but maybe it was just projected from the wall maybe it wasn't as fancy as i thought but that's a good point she could have easily made a, a interactive hologram easily she didn't yeah. need spock at all she could have just killed them all then and there there's absolutely yeah. no reason to hold them as hostages she's like i'm just gonna let you live and i'm also gonna storm out of my office allowing you to have access of everything in my office <laughs> goodbye and i was like what okay <laughs> that's when i was like this is so dumb because the minute the minute she storms off to be like, huff, look how brilliant I am. I'm going to go put my plan into action. Data, Picard, and Spock are all like, okay, uh, let's have a team huddle, everybody. Maybe we can create a distraction. I was like, er, step one, Sila, leave an armed guard in the room. Mm-hmm. Don't let the prisoners talk. If you mm-hmm. don't need them, just kill them. Just kill just them. Kill them or put them in the brig. Why are they in your office? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Under some sort of cone of silence. So they can't communicate with one another to create this goddamn distraction that they end up making. Yeah. The Which like, it's great. like, Sila, this is on you, girl. You mm-hmm. let this happen. It's like letting, you know, a chocoholic in, in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory be like, I'm sure they'll be fine. And they come out all chocolate wasted. And it's like, well, why'd you let that happen? You mm-hmm. kind of allowed all of this. Yeah. To happen. This it's kind of you. ironic too, because Sila's like the queen of the plan B and plan C and contingency plans. <laughs> this was like not thought out at all. She like left her like spaceship keys on the desk and was like, I'll be right back. It's like, okay. You know, don't be surprised if they're there, gone. There when was you come back. Okay. There was one line in this scene, not not the fighting the, the scene where she was like talking to them that I absolutely love, where she's writing Spock's fake speech and she's like, Oh, writing is so great. I I hardly ever get a chance to do it in this job. Oh, yeah. And Data's like, maybe you should pick a different job. And she just like gives him this death stare. I laughed out loud at that. I, like, <laughs> I love that he Data, is still Data. Yeah. Yeah. I love that he's still Data through and through. He's like, I'm going to offer a helpful suggestion. <laughs> she like grinds her teeth at him and then keeps going. That, well, now yeah, that part at, at the very least, now the stolen Vulcan ships make sense. Seal and company stole several to use to approach Vulcan with in order to make the Vulcans believe that like they're friendly. Right. But really and they're that, full of Romulan battalions. Yes. Yes. So Spock is supposed to basically be on one of the ships to be like, I'm coming with my Romulan, you know, brethren and we're going to all something Reunite. friendly. Right. Yeah, exactly. And at least now we know where the stupid ships came from. So Riker, you can stand down. Um, but Sila again, because she is the queen of the plan C, D, E, and F she's like, the minute this reunification speech is going to happen and these Vulcan ships are approaching Vulcan, 
um, the enterprise is going to be occupied with much more pressing matters. And she basically relays like a medical emergency that needs like instant evacuation. And the enterprise is going to have to take off to go deal with that. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes. This is the Sela that I know mm-hmm. who's got a contingency plan for her contingency plans. Okay. Yeah. This is fantastic. So for her to just leave the office with, with everything unlocked and like, <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, again, yeah. These things just don't track, but whatever. But we in the business call a plot hole. Yes. <laughs> they fell into yes. a plot hole. <laughs> Driving down the street. Into like, it was like a plot black hole. Like it was huge. <laughs> a plot but, wormhole. And they yes, came out on the plot- other side. <laughs> Unscathed. And she's like, where'd they go? And it's like, well, you left this wormhole opening wide open. Anyway. And um, they also, started- did you see how they programmed those, those holograms? They were also very simple, right? Like the holograms yes. that popped up. Cause Riker was like, get down get down, get down, get down. Yeah. Like he was like I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm just going to go ahead and say that Romulan technology is superior in every way, except holograms. <laughs> They're a holodeck. Not a thing. Not a thing. Yeah. Although, although no, it oh, makes sense that, that they don't, if they don't use that for um, entertainment, the way that the Federation does, but if they're so oh, focused maybe. on war and conquering that they only use it as a tool, and maybe that's why it's really like not that advanced because they're Wow, Sharice, you're good. Cause I would not have thought of that. I would have been like, well, I guess that technology just kind of sucks, but all right. Yeah. You're totally right. Cause I mean, their cloaking um, technology is on point. My so, God. Because come on, like war and Federation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. The Federation is not on friendly terms with the Romulan. So it wouldn't make sense that they would have Romulan cloaking technology, but they are on friendly terms with the Klingons. They help the Klingons out at every fucking turn. turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At every turn. You can't throw me some technology. They can re- they as repay it. it. They had they they have a treaty signed where the Federation has agreed to not pursue cloaking technology. So they it's like it's like their peace talks or whatever. They have agreed well, to Well, that's never the worst it. game of hide and seek I've ever heard of. Okay. Because <laughs> because the Romulans and the Klingons all have all have cloaking technology and the enterprise is like well I guess we signed this treaty and everybody's like yeah we all signed the treaty too (laughs) right I actually let's go cloak away I I don't actually know who exactly is in this treaty because they say the Federation signed a treaty but the Klingons are part of the Federation and the Klingons have all the cloaking technology and it's super duper cool so I guess everyone else besides the Klingons uh cannot develop cloaking technology we find that out in the episode with the Pegasus Later yes. on in like season six or whatever, which See, uh, it's I like one of my disagree. favorite episodes. I love that episode. It's so cool. Just the visuals are super cool. I am in agreement with that captain where I'm like, uh, we're kind of way behind mm-hmm. and militarily we're being dominated. So I think we just need to get on that cloaking technology guys, but all right, whatever. Yes. That's, but that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, no, yes. I'm super like with that dude. Yeah. We'll, anyway, we'll bring that up when we come to that episode. Yeah. We'll bring up, <laughs> we'll bring up Riker's old captain who somehow managed to like not blow up on a ship that Riker was on. Um, when we get to that episode, but yeah, no, no, no. So the enterprise is like, okay, we made it to the neutral zone, um, because we're not totally believing this distress signal. It seems a little shady. And I love that Riker knows Picard so well, even when there's like a a message from a fake Picard to like stand down and stay where they are and don't get involved. He's like, that doesn't sound right. Which Mm -hmm. I was like, thank you, Riker. Thank you for like being able to read between the lines Mm -hmm. and Spock's message is about to be transmitted. Sila's like, there's nothing you can do now. Like this message goes out in minutes because, you know, data used the holographic projector in Sila's office, which she left unlocked um, <laughs> to create kind of like a project, a new office inside the withstanding one. And like these holographic Starfleet officers distract the guards just long enough that like everybody can kind of peek out from behind 
the holographic walls and like punch a guard or, or, you know, Vulcan, Vulcan pinch a guard pinch, yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So knocks him out and Sila is like, it's too late. There's nothing you can do. Spock's message goes out in mere minutes, which it, as we know, minutes in Star Trek time is like hours. <laughs> um, and as his message is being transmitted, it seems like it's Sila's message, except the message kind of breaks and Spock is like, issues this immediate warning like three Vulcan ships are like approaching Vulcan but they are not they're full of Romulan troops like warning 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 and it gets cut off and Data is like I'm certain that the message was able to be transmitted before like the main part of the message was able to be like transmitted Mm -hmm. before it was cut off Mm -hmm. Um, and the Enterprise is like oh shit and so they run to the neutral zone and as this Romulan warper decloaks in front of like the Vulcan ships, the Enterprise is like, stand down, go back to where you came from, leave the Vulcan ships alone because they don't really know who's on there or not. But the Romulan Warbird like destroys the Vulcan ships and then recloaks itself and flies and, away. Like, and flies away. And we find out because now we know that like the Vulcan ships are full of like Romulan battalions, they just destroyed like thousands of their own troops to like destroy the evidence. I was mm-hmm. like, damn, that's cold. And that right cold. there is why we will never have unification. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right there. Yep. Oh, it was actually really sad. I was like, damn. Yeah. You just destroyed, thought, you sunk your own ships to like clean up the, ev- mm-hmm. the evidence. Yeah. At, at first I thought like when it decloaked, I was like, oh man, the enterprise is going to have to fight this Romulan ship. And at this point, the Vulcan ships have crossed over the neutral zone into Federation space. Yeah. And so when it decloaked, I was like, oh, now they have to have a space battle, but we know the Romulan ships are just as good as the enterprise. And we also learned yeah. last week that one shot from a phaser and the enterprise's shields are going to be down to 72%. So we're like, ooh, two shots, get- 31%, three shots, you're done. <laughs> They're done. So we're yep. like, oh, I don't know. Like if they get into space battle, this is going to get really ugly. And maybe the Vulcan ships will get a chance to, to scamper away while the Enterprise is looking at you wounds. Know, the Enterprise shields remind me of that troll in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where it's like, you must answer me these questions three. The shields are like, you must face or me these questions three, and I will answer <laughs> anything you need. And I'll be super helpful. And I'll just go away so you can blast through the hole. Thank what? you. Is your favorite color? Yes. Um, Blue. I mean, green. <laughs> God, if you have not seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which has extremely obvious crossovers <laughs> to Star Trek TNG, uh, check it out. It's really funny. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous and silly. So don't expect it's something so silly and ridiculous. Has nothing to do with sci-fi, <laughs> but it is really funny. Um, yeah, anyway, that was, that was pretty. That was pretty brutal. Two thousand Romulans murdered instantly instead of letting them be captured it was like no we will not let them be captured i mean they just decloaked murdered them cloaked and went about their day like it was nothing yeah and this and you can tell too that this is another contingency plan if we get discovered before we get there destroy the ships like we're not you know take no prisoners we're not being taken as prisoners either it's pretty intense and when picard was arguing with sila earlier before all the guards got knocked out or whatever um, he kept saying like, this will never work. The enterprise will stop them. This will happen. Like all these blocks. And she was like, yes. And then we'll do that. Yes. And then we'll do that. So one of the things was like, even if you get to the planet by then everyone will be alerted and they're going to be on your, on your trail. And she was just like, by that time we'll be fully entrenched and it'll be a standoff and it'll be a siege and we will wait it out and we will win. And it was like, dang, she even has a plan for if they get to the planet and they don't automatically crush everybody in Vulcan. Mm-hmm. She has a plan for everything except for locking her office. Um, <laughs> 
which I mean, Spock did say like, hey, Data, do they know that we have access to their computers or like, did they ever figure that out? And he's like, oh, that's, I do not believe so, sir. And they did it. So that all worked out for the best. Um, Okay. All right. I can go with that. I'm okay with that. So then they, so then Picard and Spock and Data with a job well done and high fives all around are like, well, let's get out of here. And Sila's like, you'll never get out. There's guards everywhere. And Data's like, oh, I've seen the schematics for this place. I know all the secret tunnels and entrances. We can walk right out. And uh, I've also I- disabled all the cameras. Yeah. And why don't we just Vulcan neck pinch uh, Sila and knock her out? Why they wouldn't kill her is beyond me. But okay, whatever, whatever. She's like the mastermind behind all this badness. Kill, capture, arrest. I, there's so many things they could have done. I'm, and I'm not saying killing is like the way to go. Like, Data, just murder her because that's not a Federation. No, but you kill. can capture her. But come on. Like, yeah, she's the mastermind behind, at this point, how many takeover attempts? Why are we still letting and her? And deaths. And yeah. Why are we still why letting are we her still... have reigns? Yeah. Yes. Why are we still letting her roam free? This or at is, least this is really stupid. Plant some evidence on her so her government turns on her. Be really like Romulan about it. I don't know. But basically, Data's just like, we don't want you to alert the guards. So Vulcan neck pinches her. And then they just walk out. They just walk on out. They like no, stroll no guards out. outside of her door. They totally just stroll out. <laughs> there's, apparently there's no guards outside. There's no guards anywhere. They just yeah. walk out and then just beam back to the Klingon ship and all is well. Yeah. And and Picard at the end. You know, they go to say goodbye and Spock is like, I will not be going with you. This reunification is our fate. It's got a movement that can't be stopped. And I must be here to be a part of it. And, you know, as a farewell, Picard offers Spock the chance to do a mind meld to share what Sarek shared with Picard. And it was kind of a nice ending where the episode wraps with the mind meld and Picard looking like very at peace and Spock looking like overwhelmed with love. An emotion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. Um, but that's where the episode ends. And I'll share my final thoughts again. Glad that's over. Yeah. That whole thing sucked. I did not like this episode at all. And I was like, oh, now I know why I've never gone back to watch this. And I never will again. No, this was this was the it's last dumb. time on the rewatch train for me. For these two episodes. Well, a little bit of trivia. Um, Unification was actually created as a tie-in to Star Trek six the undiscovered country which is a movie that spock was supposed to be a part of and it had to do with like klingon peace and and romulan peace treaties with the federation so this was actually a a tease teaser trailer for that um and actually due to leonard nimoy's schedule filming of the second episode occurred first and then they filmed part one which i was like oh that's kind of cool like you think you would just sort of film because he was literally only in one scene in the entire first episode yeah so you just need him for like 15 minutes at the end to be like, hey, we just need you to say this one line four or five times and you're good. Like at the end of the day, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that that was that. Do you have any final, final no, thoughts? No, no, no. Let's never watch this again. <laughs> How about that? Uh, Agreed. And if we ever wonder why we haven't seen this episode in a long time, like 10 years from now, we'll do a Vulcan mind meld and be like, oh, that's right. Remember, <laughs> it's really bad. And then we will save ourselves from watching an hour of this awful television. Every time I see the thumbnail with a Vulcan on it, I'm like, next, no, no, next. Yeah. Yep. So I, yes, I, I do that more than with the Klingons because the Klingons by season five start getting pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. The first couple of seasons, they're really one note and it bugs me. But like anytime I see Vulcan anything, I'm like, mm-mm, mm, no. No, no. I'm like a baby when you're trying to feed them like mashed potatoes and they keep doing that head thing where they keep turning away like, I don't want that. That's how I feel. Anyway, next week is a really fun episode. Guys, we're breaking down season five, episode nine, A Matter of Time. 
be there or be square. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.